Welcome. It's time to elevate your consciousness and tune in. This is Mastermind with your host, Dr. Rebecca. This show is about possibilities. If you're successful, ready, and highly motivated to make the necessary changes in your life, we'll provide the tools, direction, and encouragement to help you along the way. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca. Welcome back to Mastermind. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca. How can you effectively use the power of your mind when the stakes are high? How quickly can you overcome fear to defend yourself or a loved one? Listen closely because this show may help you to think differently about the world around you. Things you hear today may even save your life one day. We have with us on the show today, Mr. Stuart Edmiston. Uh, Mr. Stuart Edmiston is the lead instructor of Triangle Self-Defense Training, and he's a U.S. Air Force and OIF veteran, SPEAR personal defense readiness coach, self-defense and weapons specialist, certified firearms and North Carolina concealed carry instructor. And I took my concealed carry class with him as well, and it was excellent. He's an MMA conditioning coach and performance trainer with over 16 active years of professional coaching experience. Stewart and his team have developed a comprehensive and practical approach to self-defense that is reality-based and effective for all ages and experience levels. As a graduate from East Carolina University and Northwestern University, Stewart has been able to leverage his educational background in psychology, anatomy and physiology, and human kinetics and biomechanics to enhance his self-defense training philosophy and instruction. Stewart and his team have been hired by Fortune 500 companies, professional and nonprofit organizations, high schools, and colleges to provide awareness, empowerment, mindset, criminal psychology, and violence prevention training. So, Stuart, welcome to Mastermind. Thank you for having me. What a wonderful introduction. <laughs> so I'm really excited about having you on because you have a really unique message and you have a background that makes you a leader in your field. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit first. I understand you you have a background in psychiatry. In addition to the extensive training you have in self-defense, you also have a background in psychi- psychology, excuse me, um, anatomy and physiology, kinetics and biomechanics. So how has this, how does this set you apart and how has this training helped you in developing the programs that you develop for Triangle Self-Defense? Uh, yeah, so, you know, the, my viewpoint on on self-defense and training, performance training and martial arts is, is you know, first of all, having a practical and reality-based uh, approach, you know. And so when you look at uh, how to train people and, and the most efficient, effective way to do that, uh, you need to be based in realism. And so when you're based in that, that, that reality, you're going to look at how the body works. Um, how, you know, how human beings approach fear and stimuli. Um, and you look at uh, physiological processes that are innate that we can't take out, you know, like the acute stress response, or some people refer to it as a fight or flight response. And, you know, if you go deeper into looking at pre-assault cues, the way human beings have tells before they hit someone or draw a weapon out and, and, and things like that, you know, so I, I believe that if you can understand the mind of uh, criminals and the mind of uh, you know victims, how people respond, how people attack, and then you look at the way the human body works, you know how does somebody attack efficiently and non-efficiently, and how do you defend? And those same things, you can start to get out of the what if world, which 
you know, is, is very prevalent in martial arts. It's like, well, what if this? And what if this? And what if this? You know, we look at yeah. the most the most real um, and, and try to train people in that in that vein. And I've and I've taken classes with you, and I know that for me, it's good to know. Okay, this is a scenario you might encounter. Um, this might happen to you. What will you do in this situation? It's not just this theoretical thing. Um, and so that leads me to another question: How, just as you know, a person going about my everyday to day life? And being aware of my surroundings, how can I shift my mindset to always be thinking about how to keep myself safe? Because most of us don't do that. We just do what we do and we don't anticipate anything happening. How can I start to incorporate some of that awareness in my everyday life? Good question. So let me start by saying this. I don't advocate that people walk around in fear all the time. Like, Oh, what's around this corner? What's going to happen? You know, like, so I don't, I I don't advocate that. What I do advocate is, is a healthy level of awareness. And so, um, when we do our, our self-defense seminars, you know, especially when we're looking at women's self-defense and we're going into the corporate world, we talk about uh, Cooper's color codes of awareness. Um, and, and so that the span of those go from white, yellow, orange, red, black, and those codes kind of represent, um, your level of awareness based on what's going on in your environment, right? So if you look at those colors, and let's just say white as being the, 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 the level you don't want to be in, it's unaware and unprepared of what's going on. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, certainly walking down the street, texting on your phone, walking around with blinders on, having no idea that someone is right beside you, right behind you, mm-hmm. et cetera, right? Um, we advocate that people be in yellow, which is generally aware and prepared. And so like generally aware would mean that you're, you're conscious of what's going on in your environment in terms of people, places, things, you know, like, am I walking underneath this crane, this construction crane that could fall on me? Is it, you know, like, is there a person that is walking towards me that looks a little bit shady, you know? So I'm just generally aware of what's going on. The general preparedness part of it is that you have some sort of idea of how you would be able to respond. Um, because you don't want to be figuring out what you should do in a critical moment. So like someone grabs your wrist, like if you were generally prepared, you'd have these things that you could do to get out of that. Um, you would have things you could say to someone that was approaching you that might be able to help you better prepare for that situation. Now, the key is going into orange and red. Orange is specific awareness and some thought about how you'd respond to that, that, that threat or that stimulus, you know? So the difference between yellow and orange is orange is, you know, I'm, I'm generally aware of what's going on. I'm in a gas station pumping gas. And then I see this person walking car to car. I know he's going to come to me next. So mm-hmm. I need to be thinking about what am I going to say to this person? How am I going to posture? Where do I need to be around the vehicle? Do I need to step out of this space so I have freedom of movement? And so, you know, I think having a baseline level of awareness, certainly when you're out in public, outside of your house with, you know, when, if you're in your house, doors locked, your dog by your side, alarm system on. It's okay to be, you know have a lower right. level of awareness when you're when you're leaving that house and you're out in public, especially if you have family or kids. You know that awareness needs to be picking up information in your environment, and then you're kind of figuring out, hey, is this a specific threat I need to think about or deal with? And then if that's the case, how would I re- respond? You know, so that's kind of I think a good uh, quick baseline um, you know level of of awareness that you can teach people uh, without too much training. And then the orange would be, like you said, specific awareness of, uh, you know, this is specifically what I would do if this person approaches me or grabs my wrist or something like that. These, this is my plan. 
Yes. And so, just, so I don't leave out the last two, right? So red, okay. Red is, you know, we're moving down, getting the situation is getting worse. Red is um, action is necessary. So, um, you know, we, we went from yellow general awareness, orange specific awareness, thinking about what I'm going to do. Red is the contact or the, in, the interaction is going to be imminent. It's going to happen. Doesn't mean that you're going to fight. Doesn't mean that you have to defend yourself. It just means that that interaction is going to happen and you're going to have to respond. Um, okay. You know, the difference between orange and red is that I'm going to take some sort of action and it's probably the stakes are a little bit higher. And then condition black is something that was coined in the U.S. Marine Corps. And that is a critical incident, meaning you are in the fight. Uh, so that's where we find the flight, fight or flight response, or I call it the acute stress response, where you may have tunnel vision, auditory exclusion. You may mm -hmm. not act like a normal rational person you're going to you know respond with your baseline level of training you're not going to magically pull out some cool technique it's going to be what yes. you train the most and what you will naturally do and so um the thing with you know moving into that that into the spectrum that's where your training really comes into play what have you mentally prepared and physically prepared to do to defend yourself in, in those scenarios yeah. So and that yeah, that brings up a good point about about having trained beforehand. So not that we have to walk around and be afraid all the time, but we have to be mentally prepared and we have to have those skills in place before any of this happens because in the moment in that acute stress response, we are going to respond from the level of our our development of of what we already have within us. We're not going to come up with anything new or fancy. It's going to be what's already in us that we have to call upon. Right. And, and, you know, why I say acute stress response is because most people are taught fight or flight. Well, why do some people freeze? I mean, I, right. I think that people freeze because you've never considered someone grabbing your hair and dragging you into this, into this mm -hmm. alleyway or mm -hmm. someone puts a gun to your, to your neck and goes, get in the car. And now you're getting driven somewhere else. Right. So if you have never thought about how you would respond in those situations. Sometimes you don't run or fight back. You just freeze. There's like, I don't even know what to do here. Right. So that is something that training can provide you. And we certainly don't, you know, advocate people, you know, wandering around, you know, like, Oh man, am I going to get kidnapped today? But you, <laughs> if you have done some sort of thinking about, okay, if this happens, my best solution, like if someone is trying to kidnap you, they need to take you to a different location. Otherwise, they would do what they wanted to do right there. They need you in isolation. They need yep. other people to not to be able to hear you. They want to be able to control you. So your best, you know, probability of survival is fighting right there because, you know, obviously they need to isolate you away from the environment that, that you're in. Right. And um, something else you mentioned earlier, too, that I think is really key is senses. And a lot of us now are not aware because there's the cell phones or, you know, the music. So texting, listening to music or otherwise just being distracted is a huge thing that people count on for them to be able to um, interrupt what we're doing or attack or, you know, do something to us. So just to really emphasize how important it is to keep your senses keen, to keep your eyes open and looking around, to not have music blasting from your headset when you're in an unfamiliar situation. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and people will say, well, you know, I like listening to music or I like being on my phone. It's like, well, that's fine. But how important is that in relation to your safety? If, if it's, if, you know, if your safety is not that important, then you can, you know, you can do more of those things. And I mean, well, if this is not great for the self-defense industry to say this, but the likelihood of you experiencing an attack or assault or something serious is very, very low. I mean, that's just the reality. If you look at the numbers mm -hmm. of the FBI statistics and then the population, 
it's very low. However, it does happen. I mean, watch the news. I, I have, this is, this is something that I think people could do is you can, you can do a Google alert. So set up a Google alert for runner attack or home invasion or whatever. And I get a report every week oh, of wow. all these home invasions, you know? And so like I'm seeing, cause I like to study and teach people on, on real incidents. I mean, you're seeing how prevalent this is, even though based on the population, the, the risk and likelihood is very, very low, you know? So listening to music while you're running may be enjoyable, but at the risk of you not being aware of a, a vehicle, you know, stalking you from behind, you didn't even know mm-hmm. that they were there, two people running up, um, you know, on an off street right behind you, you know, and mm-hmm. certainly texting on the phone, um, you know, your awareness is dialed in on this little device, you're, you're looking down. So you're looking down, certainly you're not aware visually of what's going on in your environment in front of you. So I always say it's just like texting and driving or being distracted while you're driving. There's a risk of you killing somebody else or getting into a serious accident and you being seriously hurt. I think it's the same thing. And just your general awareness out in public is that you are risking your ability to be able to defend yourself and, and maybe even those that you, you care about based on you want to have this short stimuli of enjoyment of, you know, music or your phone or your text message or your Instagram post or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, and um, we have a couple more minutes before break. I, I would really, really like to know how this is just a, a bit more about your background, how your, um, your background in the military has helped to contribute to your sense of um, how you put this program, put your programs together and your approach to self-defense. Yeah, so the, the military, um, you know, does, does a good job in, in the training aspect of, of, of teaching you how to be led and how to be a leader. And you are going to be training and working with folks from all aspects of life, all different types of cultures, um, people coming from all different areas of physical ability uh, and, and education, you know. And so um, how that certainly benefits in, in a self-defense field or training of any capacity is that you, you need to understand how to communicate with people that, that are not necessarily like you or don't learn the same way as you. And, um, you know, when you go through leadership stuff in the military, it really teaches you how to take ownership of, of things and, and how to lead a group of people. And I think in, in, in a training martial arts self-defense type school, it's important quality to have. And, you know, additionally, the, the military is also very good about teaching you discipline and honor and integrity. You know, the, some of the core values they teach is, um, you know, integrity first, service before self, um, you know, and some of, some of those important things that have certainly bled over into my, my work and the way I approach, thing, uh, approach things. And, you know, another one is excellence in all you do. So, you know, you don't just half-ass things as you go through it you want to give the best the best the best uh, presentation the best technique the the best uh, teaching to to the students and the people that you're around right yeah and I definitely have seen that and just the work that you do Um, I appreciate so we're going to come back when we come back from break we are going to talk a little bit more specifically about some things you mentioned, namely the reality-based um, interactions, reality-based situations, and then also some of this uh, getting into the criminal's mind and how that might help us to get out of a situation or possibly never get into a dangerous situation. 
So, oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, stay <laughs> tuned. You're listening to Mastermind. We will be right back after the break. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Mastermind with Dr. Rebecca. To reach out to us during the live show, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to Dr. Huey at lifthealing.com. Now, back to Mastermind. And welcome back to Mastermind. This is your host, Dr. Rebecca, and I'm here with Mr. Stuart Edmiston. He's the founder and lead instructor of Triangle Defense, Triangle Self-Defense Training. Before the break, we talked about a little bit about his background and how to carry ourselves. Just we talked about awareness and staying safe by being generally aware of our surroundings. During this segment, I want to talk a little bit more about some uh, more specific situations and how we can improve our mindset in general to keep ourselves safe and to keep ourselves alive. And as you know, the show is about um, expanding possibilities for your mind, maximizing the power of your mind. One really, really important thing is, you know, when the stakes are high again, how do we have the appropriate survival mindset in order to um, to get ourselves out of certain situations. So, Stuart, what is a survival mindset? Good question. So, um, we talk about the survival mindset um, in all of our self-defense courses, you know, and, and it's important because the, the mind is really going to dictate what the body does and what actions you will, you will take. And to sum up what, what I call survival mindset is no matter the amount or intensity of the struggle or hardship or difficulty or attack, you must achieve your goal no matter what. And the goal is to get home to your family, survive that incident, stay safe. You know, 
And um, there, there was a show um, on uh, Discovery, or like Bio ID, uh, I think it was called Survivor, um, where it would talk about folks that, that survived very traumatic incidences, right? I mean, you know, in terms of being attacked and stabbed and left in a trunk and all these types of things. And, and a recurring theme of all of these folks is that they, they decided in their mind uh, I'm going to survive no matter what, you know? Yeah. And I think that is, is going to be a big component in being able to survive a an ambush attack on the street, having to defend yourself. You're going to have to decide in your mind, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what type of damage I receive. I don't care what I have to do. I will survive no matter what. Cause I have to get home to my, my family. <laughs> this, for some reason, the, the thing that came to mind when you said that was Steven Seagal. <laughs> no matter how many <laughs> People attack him somehow. He always gets out of the situation. A note on Steven Seagal: this, There's a lot of that stuff is is not real. You know, when a I person know. you grab their their wrist and they go flying over to the corner, that's not real. But right. it looks cool. It looks cool on video. But yeah. it gives martial arts a bad name, in my opinion. You know, because it's like, oh man, you can just you can just like look at the guy and they fall down. Like, right. That's not how it works. Right. It's not how it works. And even even I am not in the field, but I know it's not realistic. But yeah, um, I said it, he he must have definitely decided that even if 20 people attack him, he's going to get out alive because somehow. That's true. He has that mindset. <laughs> he has that, that mindset. mindset. Uh, um, so go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So for another point in under survival mindset, it's, it's also, um, you know, we teach people, what are you willing to fight for? Mm-hmm. And what is your line in the sand? What are you willing to take? You know, what can you talk your way out of? What are you going to have to fight for? You know, and certainly there needs to be some preemptive thought to this. Uh, again, if you're, you, you know, if you're exposed to the stimuli and then you got to figure it out at that mm-hmm. moment, your, your response times, what you do might not be that effective and efficient, you know? So like thinking about what you're willing to fight for, what's the line in the sand that you will fight uh, to, to defend yourself, you know, and like we'll do classes, you know, and folks will say, and we'll teach some sort of technique at the end. They'll come up and go, man, I couldn't do that. And, you know, like they'll say attacking somebody's eyes or something, man, I couldn't right. do that. You know, you know, I would always say, Hey, well, do you have a family? Yeah. Do you have kids? Yeah. So let me ask you this. You're, you're in a you know public place. Someone's trying to kidnap your kid. What would you do? Oh, I would do anything, you know, and I was, yeah. like, look, it's the same thing. If you don't survive that self-defense incident, you're not going to be there for your kids. You might have a traumatic brain injury, you can't function the same way, you can be in a coma, you might not survive, your kid will still grow up without you, whether or not the kid's yeah. being taken or you're being taken. You have to find that other thing in there to, to be able to fight for. And a lot of times, especially with parents, it's like, you got to, you got to evoke that in there. They're, you know, that protective, that protective mindset is like, Oh, I'll do anything with my kid. Well, it's the same thing. You have to protect yourself to be able to stay there for your family. And I have a little psychological trick that I will teach in, in that aspect, you know? So I'll, I'll say, uh, just to somebody that feels like, man, I can't, I can't, um, you know, execute extreme violence on somebody else to survive or defend myself. I go, all right, write down the person or persons that you love the most in, in life. So on a, on a eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, write it big and sharpie. Okay. You, mm. you put that up on the mirror that you get ready on, you know, like in your bathroom or on a refrigerator or whatever. Every morning that you get ready and you, and you do whatever you're going to do, you look at that paper and you think in your mind, man, I love that person. I value them so much in my life and no one is going to take them away from me. Right. And you're almost instilling this in your, in your body that what I want you to think about when you're being attacked is not 
fear and oh, what do I do? And uh, I want you to think they are not going to take this person away from me, you know? And it would be valuable too. I mean, often we, we don't tell the people in our lives how much they mean to us. And so it, it could be another reminder to let that person know you read their name or names and go, Hey, just want to let you know, and you meet a lot of that kind of stuff, you know? And so I think that's a little psychological trick you can kind of use to help people figure out how to really develop that, that survival mindset. Yeah, because it helps us be able to pinpoint who's important to us also. We kind of know certain people are important, but by writing it down and making it explicit and then also reviewing it every day uh, makes it more real. And then in that situation, like you said, instead of being afraid, we will think of these people and, you know, say they're important enough to me that I'm, I'm willing to, you know, exercise extreme violence if necessary to be there with them. Yeah. For me, it's like, I'm going to make, I'm going to make it back to my wife no matter what you are not going to take that from me. And somebody that's, you know, kids, you know, I am going to raise my kids. I'm going to see them be adults. There's no way you're going to take that away from me. And I think you can, you can get that, you know, that extra stuff that, that is not on the surface, you know, and you hear about moms like lifting the back ends of cars up, you know, to protect their kids and, and things like that. I think, I think our bodies are capable of much more, uh, than, than we initially think. I agree. I, yeah, we don't challenge our bodies enough, but our bodies, just like our minds, are much are capable of much more than we actually use them for. So, so why, how and why do criminals attack? What are they looking for when they come at certain people? So the, the, the biggest point in terms of like why criminals attack and why they do what they do and who do they target it's, it, it's not a generalization, right? A lot of people lump just criminal activity into one basket. I mean, the, the profile is important. And when profile, I mean, there's an FBI entire program dedicated to profiling, right? And yeah. so what, what I mean by that is, is, is this a random assault or a targeted assault? Random assault. That's typically going to be a crime of opportunity. They saw you get out of the car and get a Rolex, a nice watch, and whatever. <laughs> and they just happen to want some drugs and money that day, and they're going to jack you right there. Then there is a, a targeted assault, meaning they like you because you look like this, and you have this color hair. They're attracted to you or your kid or whatever it is, and they're targeting you specifically. The profiles are different, right? A random attack is going to be much easier to thwart if you – present a a non-victim posture and make it seem like you're not a person to be messed with where if it's a targeted assault they want you it's going to be much harder to be able to to get them away from you if you're thinking about stalking and things like that it's a different profile you know and let's let's look at a home invader right you have somebody that breaks in and wants goods and stuff and they want to get out and they don't want to be seen and then you have home invaders that are violent you know, sociopaths that enjoy murder and rape and violence. I mean, they, they need that stuff, you know? And so the profile is, is different. Um, one thing though, I can generally say about bad guys or criminals and attack bad guys don't want, they don't want to get caught. They don't want the situation to take too long and they don't want to get injured. Mm-hmm. So if you can, if you can kind of negate any one of those three, meaning mm-hmm. they, that, that they may get injured in this, this incident may take too long because they're going to fight back. You know, they may get caught because of you screaming, yelling, and having this whistle, whatever the case may be. You know, so I think when you're looking at why criminals do what they do, the profile certainly matters. And then also, you want to make a situation where a criminal uh, has risk, risk in the game, and it makes them think 
twice, I'd say, uh, about wanting to attack somebody because, again, their their job or their what they're trying to do is crime or violence or sexual assault, and they want to continue being able to do it. And if you put, you know, a roadblock in there, like, man, I can get caught and go to jail, I may go on to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, and you mentioned, too, uh, a little while back, this term pre-assault cues. Can you talk to me a little bit about what that is and how can I recognize it? Yeah. You know, we, we talk a lot about the best way to fight against a criminal or defend against a criminal is to understand them. And, you know, when we talked like last week about uh, this kind of stuff. I mentioned the Super Bowl, you know, that Team A versus Team B. Team A knows all the star players of Team B. They know the plays mm-hmm. they like to run. They know the tendencies on fourth down. They do this. They do this. They punt in these situations. They do that because they they can better understand the team, better predict what they will do, and better they'll be better prepared to defend against that. So same thing for an individual in self-defense, understanding the criminal mind. Uh, and and pre-assault cues is going to give you a much higher percentage chance of fighting back. You know, so pre-assault cues specifically, you look at uh, body posturing. Um, you know, the eyes. Do they dart? Do they look at you? Are they staring at you? The are, is their blood pressure changing? Do you see the blood vessels in their temples popping out or moving on their forehead? Mm-hmm. You know, the color of their skin. Is it red? Is it white? Um, you know, like, are they, is, is the blood rushing to their body? Because certainly someone did is going to attack someone else unless they mm-hmm. have no emotion, which is it's a very small percentage of people where you're looking about a sociopath or psychopath or in that, that vein. They are going to be experiencing acute stress as well because they're mm-hmm. about to attack you or kidnap you or shoot you or, you know, stab you or something. It's going to be up to so that the human body is going to reveal stuff that they don't think that they're revealing, but it's, it's, you know, it's almost impossible to stop that from happening, you know? Um, and I'll give you a specific example. We call this when it's, when you're dealing with weapons, someone accessing a weapon off their body, there's a thing called the elbow flare. So if you kind of like did the, I'm a teapot, right? Elbow off and your hand on your hip, okay. you kind of form that, that triangle off your body, the elbow is flaring up. If you're going to pull a weapon out of your pocket of any sort, your elbow is going to flare back pocket, side pocket, anywhere the elbow flares. So if someone bladed their body to me, which means Mm -hmm. they're trying to kind of disguise the rear side of their body um, or load the rear side of their body. And then I see the elbow flare. I Mm -hmm. I can almost tell you they're going to be drawing a weapon out of some sort, you know, or loading their body to hit you. So that's what we talk about pre-assault cues. And, And certainly if you are not aware of your environment, you don't know that stuff's going on. Okay. And that takes some, not only awareness, but, but some foreknowledge of, of some things too, which, which I think is why it's important for us to, to have some, some training, even as civilians in everyday situations, to be generally aware of things and how they look and how people look before they attack and, um, you know, the situational awareness that you talked about. Yeah, an easy way to do this is so there's, there's shows, Criminal Minds and all these cool shows that, that actually replicate um, you know, attacks and murders and things like that. And then you actually have ones that are caught on tape and you see, I mean, watch cops. I mean, cops is a great example. <laughs> you will see what people do. You'll see the, you know, the, the classic one is, I swear to God, officer, I wasn't here and doing this. I swear on my kid. I mean, it's almost <laughs> always a lie. You know what I mean? You can tell right before somebody's about to run, they get this like, you know, this frantic look and, and they're kind of looking around, you know what I mean? So 
when you start watching movies, and it's certainly if you see any CCTV footage of crimes happening and stuff, the way I look at those is I watch them once just just for visual, hey, this is what happened. Then I would like to rewatch it, and I'll look at it to the eyes of an investigator. I'm investigating mm-hmm. this. How would I have known when this was going to happen and why? And then I would view the thing again through the eyes of like a witness. I'm just an external witness that was standing there and, you know, what was going on? The cop acted this way or whatnot. When you start looking at, at, at CCTV footage and cops and crime shows like that, you'll start to be able to figure out all this information. It's, it's, it's out there as long as you are looking for it. Mm. Yeah, you have to be aware of it, aware that it's out there and, and look at things differently, like you said, from multiple perspectives. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, one, I think we just have a couple more minutes uh, before the break, but is there any, can you just tell us generally, and we can talk a little bit more when we get back, the, the different populations you work with? And um, yeah, we'll just start with that. What are the general populations you work with? You work with companies, you work with the stupid kids, you work with high school students, college students. Yeah, it is, it is uh, across the board. I mean, if you see like a picture of our concealed carry class, for instance, you have young, old men, women. I mean, yeah, everybody in there, you know, and so it's the same thing in our training center. Uh, and again, a little bit, the content is a little bit different, you know, so like we got hired to go out at, at a, um, a private school and teach the entire ninth grade class, you know, so we're working with them. You know, the way a high school boy will be attacked is different than the way a high school girl will be attacked. Generally, it's going to be a male. And so those those things uh, are different. You have to, you know, kind of look at those. And then in our training center, we have some people that are focused on weapons. Uh, Some people are focused on uh, self-defense or they're going to travel. And so uh, we work with all different types of ages and populations. And we do like to customize the content for the the population or the, the consumer that we're working with. Okay. All right, so we're going to take a break here, and then after the break, we'll talk a little bit more about that, and I'm going to ask you, too, about some specific tools and tips that we can leave with feeling more empowered and feeling more, you know, like we, um, we know what to do in certain situations. Sweet. All right. So you are listening to Mastermind, and this is Dr. Rebecca and Stuart Edmiston, and we will be back after this short break. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you want to join the ranks of the influencers, you've got to think like an influencer. How about joining one of the top influencers in the world, Leonard Kim, for Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard and his guests discuss the topics that aspiring influencers need to know, from brand building to getting yourself published and growing your audience. There's a bunch of fun and even some twists involved to keep you on your toes. You just have to listen every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. 
plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Mastermind with Dr. Rebecca. To reach out to us during the live show, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to Dr. Huey at lifthealing.com. Now, back to Mastermind. Welcome back to Mastermind. This is your host, Dr. Rebecca, and we are here with Stuart Edmondson, the founder of Triangle Self-Defense. And before the break, we were talking about reality-based self-defense. We were talking about how criminals think and how to avoid being a victim of uh, said criminal. So today, or excuse me, during this segment, I'd like to talk a little bit more about mindset again. And, you know, we talk a lot and self-defense about different tools, different techniques, which we'll also do. But what comes first is what happens in your mind. What happens with, you know, what you're thinking, how you're thinking. So, um, Stuart, I'd like to ask you a little bit about um, your training brain, I guess you call it, and when and how to use it. Sure. Yeah. Um, You know, we call it training your brain, right? And what I kind of describe underneath that is, you know, like all the technical skill and strength and, and martial arts abilities and all this stuff, it, it means little without the mental ability and capacity to know when and how to use it or employ it or engage it, you know? And so many people, especially in self-defense and martial arts, train the physical aspect of it. Well, they grab you like this, you do these three steps and then you do this. They do this and then you do this. The problem with that mentality is you're you're gonna have a catalog of things that that you you know, if they grab this, I do this, 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 this. Now, the way attacks happen is it's an ambush. It's unexpected, it's violent, it can be multiple people. You now have to index through this catalog, okay, attacks like this, I'm gonna do this. It's too long, it takes too long, you know? And so, the thing is we have to simplify certainly the technique for self-defense. You want to be more in alignment with what the body does, like utilizing your startle flinch response. Um, you know, and that's where the spear and stuff that you read about in my bio comes into play. Um, and, and training the, the mind I feel is more important. I, I say this all often, um, is that we want to focus on principles instead of techniques. And a principle is hard to forget where a technique is hard to remember. So if I did a seminar with somebody for two hours, right, and I teach them this choke defense and they never did it again, they'll never remember it. But if I said, hey, look, you need to be aware and look for these types of things while you're out pumping your gas or out in the environment, because if you see these things, it'll help you better prepare to defend yourself. That's really hard to forget, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think training folks' minds, excuse me, in, in how to look at the world, how to be more aware, how to prepare yourself, how to be a better self-defender is, is more important than, than the, the physical 
10-step technique, right, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, and and it can be generalizable. So if you learn a general principle, um, it's it's easier to respond because it it it's it's sort of like seeing the forest instead of the trees. The trees would be like the techniques that may or may not work. If somebody doesn't come at me exactly the way I learned in class or, you know, exactly, you know, in the sequence that I learned, then I sort of feel helpless. Whereas if I learn some general principles that can be applied and I can kind of maneuver around the techniques, I feel like I'd be better prepared. Yes. And under one of the main principles we teach in self-defense, which is also, this is one that's, that's pretty easy to remember. Whatever movement I do for self-defense, whatever technique, movement, the first thing that I do, I want to disrupt my attacker's vision, breathing, or balance. Okay. okay. So I want to disrupt vision, breathing, or balance. Now, if I can get two of those or all of those, even better, right? So, you know, if you're learning something that does not immediately disrupt vision, breathing, or balance, you know, it's probably not the best thing that you should be training in the front end of, of your of your self-defense or martial arts training. Okay. Makes- all right. So that's a general principle. So even without specific techniques yet, uh, something that I'm doing in the immediate aftermath of an attack would be something to do. Disrupt vision, disrupt breathing, or disrupt balance in the attacker. Yeah, and not necessarily, I see what you're saying with the immediate aftermath, but I would almost be thinking like preemptively, you know, so like this is going bad, they bladed their body, they're about to hit me. I can go ahead and smack those eyeballs real quick, you know, with with a palm (laughs) strike and, you know. Maybe there is no aftermath, right? Right. Now, you know, you're going to have to be able to defend your actions, obviously, because we're in a society where everything is going to be videotaped, you know. Um, So that kind of thing, you know, is is important to think about. But you're correct. We want to be able to disrupt those vision, breathing, or balance. And one other thing I thought of, too, as a woman, not necessarily just at night, but definitely at night, to have a flashlight or something. So if, if someone were to approach, you can disrupt vision by having them just shining a bright light and they may not even approach then. Yes. And you can also disrupt their breathing and balance based on your ability to strike with it. So that is mm-hmm. a great point. We, that's kind of the sweet spot for self-defense tools that we find because, you know, if you look at the matrix of things, the top of it, you're having a handgun. Not everybody's comfortable with that. Not everybody likes them. I'm fine with that. Then you have mm-hmm. a knife. A knife for self-defense is, pr- I mean, if you look at what it is, it is violent and up close and, you know, bloody. What's next? You know, a lot of people are taught pepper spray or mace. You know, I have uh, some some qualms about that because, you know, m- what I'll do is, let's say, a class, right, of, of, of 20 people. And, okay, who has pepper spray? 80% raise their hands. Who's ever used it? Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, how far does it shoot? No one knows. When's it expire? Nobody knows. <laughs> You know, and so you're 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 going to use a tool to defend your life that you've never even. How do you even know it's going to work when you pull it out and hit the button? You know, and then yeah. Uh, so there's other things related to that, but then you have uh, you know down the line, which I think is like impact related tools. So a flashlight is, is a really great one because typically, let's say it's very dark. What you know, there's there's a couple career fields that are associated with a high powered light: law enforcement, security. So you're already posturing based on that light. Two, to your point you shine in their eyes, you can get an immediate effect. You're not going to blind them permanently, but they're going to have two bright discs, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's hard for somebody to not look at that light. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then if they continue to attack kind of with those blind spots, you have the ability to crack them with it, which now you can disrupt their their balance or their their breathing, you know, and 
Another thing that people don't think about is the keys. Uh, we don't teach like the tiger claw where you put the keys in between uh-huh. and you got a little Wolverine claw sticking out. Yeah. We actually, mm-hmm. uh, we, we branded our own um, fighting keychain. So it's a leather strap attached to your keys. You hold that leather strap and you swing it like you're swinging a club or a tennis racket or a bat or whatever. It's a more natural thing, you know, you're not in this, you know, no specific striking, but that's also another good tool to disrupt vision, breathing, or balance. Okay. So all things that, that are be easy to carry with us. Now, I do have a question. I've heard this question a lot, um, or I've heard this statement a lot that people shouldn't carry, let's say, carry a knife or carry another a weapon because the attacker can then grab it and use it against them. And so it's actually less safe to carry something to defend yourself because it can be used against you. What do you say to that? Well, if you don't actually intend on using it and you don't have the ability or fortitude to use it, then yeah, don't carry it. Because if, if you, if you don't mean business with it, an attacker will likely know that maybe challenge you on it and could potentially take it from you. If you, you know, cause we talked about it earlier, what's your line of the sand? What are you willing to fight for? If you're carrying that thing because you want to, you want to be able to, to really defend yourself, get back to your family and stuff. And you have already preemptively thought about, I am morally, ethically, okay with using this in this situation, I'm justified in using it and I will use it. Then in that uh, case, certainly carry it because it's a, it's a force multiplier. We, we call them, you know, the military calls it a force multiplier. You look in the self-defense, self-defense multiplier. You add a knife and multiplies your ability. You add a gun, multiplies your ability, a flashlight, you know, each thing that you add on your person multiplies what you can, what, what you can do. But to your point, you certainly have to be mentally, uh, ethically, morally justified to, to use it and, and be having the mindset that you will use it or it could be taken from. Yeah. And I would imagine that the attacker can feel that from you too, whether, whether you're scared to use it or whether you mean business with it. Yeah. I mean, I pull a gun out and go, please stop. Or I pull a gun out and I go, stop, step back. It's very good. Right. You know? Right. So any other, so let me just mention too, that I, I, I have trained with Stuart and I've also had my daughter who's now in college train with him. I wanted her to get some techniques and, you know, change her mindset before she went off to college. And it really did change her life and her perception of her surroundings and that kind of thing. Would you say um, anything to parents who have their kids going off, do you have some, you know, now their kids are getting into colleges and thinking about going away for the first time. What would you say to families sending their child off to college about awareness and about preparing to be away from home? Yeah, I think it's such a critical time to, to be able to have some sort of confidence in your ability to protect yourself and those that you care about, you know, and, um, I've done a lot of work with Duke and um, different colleges in the area. Uh, you know, one thing that I've asked a lot of the students, like what, what kind of safety and self-defense knowledge do you get as part of, you know, like your orientation? Uh, it's, it's not a lot. And typically what they tell you is, you know, what is possible? Like these types of attacks are possible and this type of crime is possible. I mean, you certainly have in a college setting, you know, uh, alcohol related stuff and sexual assault stuff. And it's, I mean, it's prevalent on, on campuses throughout the, throughout the country. And so I think one is just exposing them a little bit to the principles of, of self-defense and, and how to be able to say no, how to have a voice, how to control your environment, how to um, put yourself in situations that it's less risky. You know, I think those things are extremely valuable. And we've worked with 
so many high school kids going on to college and kids in college right now um, that that are like, man, I feel so much more confident about being yeah. in my space and, and in my interpersonal reactions. And when I don't feel comfortable with something, no, because now I have some sort of tools to actually back it up. And, you know, I, I think it all around is a great thing to invest in. And it's investing in you or it's investing in your kid. I don't see why people don't do it. I will certainly do it for anybody that is in my family or my circle because it, it, it's something that can make the difference. I mean, a, a sexual assault or a violent crime or something like that can literally change the rest of, of yeah. someone's life, you know? Yeah, it's one of those moments that people talk about a defining moment later on in their life, you know, in college. And uh, to be prepared for that and to turn that around and make it so that they, they come out victorious, whatever that is, is really, really important. And I think with all the preparation that we do for our kids academically, making sure they got into the right college, make sure they have the right, you know, toothbrush and pillow and <laughs> bedspread and all this other stuff. Um, but, but safety is a big issue. I think often we don't think about, or if we think about, we kind of just leave it up to the, you know, public safety officer, the local, you know, campus police. Uh, and we, we put a lot of trust in those institutions. A lot of times those institutions, those, those groups of people aren't around when these assaults happen. That's a great point. The thing with you could be on, I mean, I could be walking to a parking garage on the phone with the best SWAT team in the world. Someone's tracking me and they're, they're right there in the, no one's going to be there in time, you know? And a lot of times law enforcement and those campus security, it's it's an after action investigative role. It's not a preventative role. Like it's rare that you will see the thing happening and be able to intervene. Oftentimes it will be an investigative thing afterwards. And, And that's why we coach people. You are your first and last line of defense. It's up to you to be able to, to defend yourself. And I would say at a minimum, if you're on a college campus and you're, you know, or a high school student, have a tactical flashlight. Now, a flashlight is not a self-defense tool or weapon, but it yeah. can be used so if you want it to be. It's, you know, it's, it's a valuable tool. I think everyone should have that. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone, I agree. Everyone should have something to carry with them and have some general knowledge. Just move from the white zone to the yellow zone, at least. From un, unaware and unprepared to having just, a general sense of awareness and preparedness. Yeah, for sure. So um, in these couple minutes we have, I just wanted to, um, for you to let people know what services you have available and where you're located, how to find you online and that kind of thing. We want to take classes. Yeah, absolutely. We want to do training with you. So we have a training center in, uh, in Durham, in South Durham. And at that training center, we have weekly classes and specialty seminars and workshops there. Um, you can find the class schedule and any workshops on our website at triangleself-defense.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page uh, that would be uh, your Facebook slash Triangle Self-Defense. And on there, we post a lot of um, after-action reviews of classes. We look at uh, self-defense gear. We break down uh, interactions that really happen and CCTV footage. Uh, We also have an Instagram page, which we also do the same thing. We we share technique and stuff. Uh, Instagram is triangle.self.defense. Instagram is, say that again? Uh, Triangle.self.defense. Okay. And, you know, we're, we're going to, we teach, I teach concealed for the state of North Carolina. So we have that class available. We have the entire schedule out for the rest of the year. So anybody interested in that, we offer that. And then also we have a lot of folks who 
want to learn how to defend themselves in their home or with a firearm, if you already have your concealed carry, you're not interested in that, we do two and three hour privates out of the range where we fully customize that training uh, for you or your group. And we go out and teach you safety and, and, and how to be able to use your, your weapon. And then we have a couple of specialty classes at the training center uh, about knife, defending against knife and, and weapon-based stuff in uh, conjunction with all the unarmed self-defense stuff that we teach as well. Okay, good. So there's a lot of lot of stuff. And I know, like I said, I took the concealed carry course. It's excellent. I do recommend it and um, recommend anything you offer, basically. So if you're in the in Durham or Raleigh or that general area, Chapel Hill, I definitely check out Triangle Self-Defense and um, some great videos online as well. And Stuart, thank you so much for coming to Mastermind and teaching us what you um, teaching us basically how to be safer and how to have a mindset for safety and sur- for survival. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure being on. I love this this stuff. I, I live for this. And so it's really uh, it's really an honor to be able to share what I know with people and, and anything that can, then, that, that can keep you all safe, uh, I, I'm for it. So thank you again for having me. It was, it was fun. Great. Yeah, it was fun. All right. So you're listening to Mastermind. We'll see you next week where we will be improving your memory. All right. Thank you for tuning in to Mastermind. Please join Dr. Rebecca for another show next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll talk again next week. 